Hi folks. So several years ago, my spouse told me I had to watch this cartoon called Steven Universe because it was like Adventure Time, but better. I wasn't convinced by the first few short episodes, but then the first major musical number hit, a song about encouraging your friends to become a giant woman. I was hooked. Steven is an outsider from his community who lives on the outside of town with three genderless aliens who his supportive father has decided can take care of his son and understand him better than he can. Steven struggles to understand his identity as he is a half-human and half-alien gem being and his mother Rose Quartz, aka Pink Diamond, gave up her physical form to create him, leaving her gem as part of him. While his family of alien gems have grown to understand and love him, his mother's old family cannot understand that he is no longer Pink Diamond. Throughout the show, they call him by his mother's name and before trying to forcibly make him be Pink Diamond, only to find that inside he is still just Steven and that the gem they knew has been gone for a long time. Along the way, Steven explores his identity with his friends and family, finding many different ways to express his physical identity and how he presents himself into the world by creating beings of varying genders. So this week, I wanted to tell you why I think that Steven Universe is totally trans. I am Henry Jardina. I'm a writer, a critic, and a trans guy. My pronouns are he, they. I am Jacqueline Clyde, a comics retailer, pop culture enthusiast, and a queer trans woman whose pronouns are she, her. And I'm Faye Fix Collington, a writer, editor, podcaster, and occasional musician. I'm a non-binary Brit living in the United States, and my pronouns are they, them. This is Totally Trans, Searching for the Trans Canon, where we talk about some of the most well-known figures from film, literature, and media, and tell you why we think they deserve to be part of the transcultural canon. This is the week I'm going to tell you why the entire series, Steven Universe, is totally trans. In 2013, a young creator named Rebecca Sugar set out to tell a personal story about their relationship to their brother. The result was Steven Universe a groundbreaking Cartoon Network kids show featuring the trials and magical tribulations of a queer family unit struggling to save the world from impending doom. By 2019, the show had given viewers a gay wedding, countless gay and trans characters to root for, some positive asexual representation, and an approach to queer storytelling that came from an authentic place and featured a diverse cast of proudly queer characters. For what was ostensibly a kid's show, Steven Universe took on themes of change, loss, and trauma with a kind of childlike optimism, gaining not only a devoted young adult and teen followers, but a wide fan base among adults. In a universe where basically everyone is non-binary and shape-shifting is not only possible, but a key characteristic of the magical world, there's always been a lot for trans viewers to latch onto, no matter what age they are. And did we mention it's a musical? Well, it is. When we meet Steven, a half-human, half-gem hybrid, he's, to all appearances, a normal 13-year-old boy singing about his favorite ice cream and having low-stakes adventures with his friends and adoptive parents, the Crystal Gems. These are Garnet, a hybrid gem with future-seeing capabilities, Amethyst, a punk rock gem who loves pizza, and Pearl, a hyper-controlling yet tender-hearted gem who was madly in love with Steven's mother, Rose Quartz. They all live in a goddess-shaped temple overlooking the coast of Beach City, a Southern California-esque spot that's always being attacked by supernatural forces. Steven also has his dad, ex-rocker Greg Universe, helping out a bit, though he mainly watched old VHS tapes in his van, and jams out with Steven when all the other gems are otherwise occupied. The gems can also fuse with one another, creating even more mighty gems such as Sugalite, a fusion between Amethyst and Garnet, voiced by Nicki Minaj, and Alexandrite, a fusion of all three gems. Together, they form a sweet, often imperiled found family, and over the course of five seasons and a movie, and another season, the gang learn more about themselves, their identities, and their histories, and strive to protect Earth from the misunderstood totalitarian diamonds, who, when we meet them at least, are on a colonialistic tirade to wipe out all the life on planets other than Homeworld, where they and several other gems reside. Throughout the series, we see Steven change, not only in terms of going through puberty and forming a multi-gender hybrid with his best friend Connie, Stevani, but coming to understand different things about himself, his parents, his history, the gems themselves, by getting caught up in a battle he's way too young to be prepared for. Steven is both a hero and a young kid, an all-powerful pink diamond and a confused teenager needing guidance and love, 
and he's the product of a beautifully supportive queer and trans family that always bands together to save each other. Even when things get hard and the gems are forced to betray themselves, they never betray each other. As the opening theme song proudly states, they are the crystal gems, they'll always save the day, and if you think they can't, they'll always find a way. Steven Universe also occupies a special place in the hearts of trans millennials who didn't have anything like this when we were kids. Creator Rebecca Sugar was only 26 when the series premiered in 2013, and it would take them some years later to come out as non-binary, adding another layer to an epic story about the power of change and the beauty of becoming who you really are. For a lot of us, even though Steven Universe was never explicitly trans, it was the first story we ever saw on TV that really felt like it was for us and about us. How could a show that's so optimistic and sweet about the wonder of change be otherwise? Alright, so I guess let's start by talking about our first um, exposure to Steven Universe. So, Fayfix, would you like to start? Almost never, <laughs> but I can. <laughs> I'd had a group of friends who showed me a lot of Adventure Time, and uh, I don't know, there's a lot of fart jokes and just like weird stuff for the sake of being weird um so when i was told like oh yeah it, it's like that i'm like no, no that's not the way we're gonna go here um but then sitting down and finding the musical aspect and realizing that rebecca sugar had been responsible for like a lot of the early adventure time stuff that i did enjoy um really started to fit in for me there and then finding out that they're non-binary later sort of made a certain amount of that make sense um it was definitely, I think, at a point when I had come out to myself and my partner, but not to any of my friends. So seeing this representation of characters and a family and a group of people who are together and gender is so much not an issue for most of them um, and where everything is about how you're expressing yourself, it started to be a fairly important part for me, really, of just understanding more about what I could be. At the risk of putting too much weight on a kid's show that's 10 minutes long. Uh. Very important show, very important kid's show, though. Jack, what about what about you? What was the first time you were introduced to Steven Universe? So, it's funny you should say it's a very important kid's show, because um, I don't remember when this aired. Was it 2012? I think ish somewhere around that oh, 2013 and i think there yeah. was an earlier so like, short in 2012 and it like took a while for them to do for season yeah because i remember that one had the extended theme song if i recall um but yeah uh i was uh i think like probably a lot of trans girls my age um a wee little egg on the internet on a terrible wonderful place called tumblr.com which is where you can go to be exposed to pop culture and then have it shoved so far down your throat that maybe you never want to see it again um this was not one of those things i had my ostensibly straight cis best friend at the time be like you gotta watch this show it's so cool it's only 10 minutes long also it's very cute and I was like, okay, I'll give it a shot. It's only 10 minutes long. I mean, what's the worst that a 10-minute cartoon can be make me feel like I wasted, I don't know, a breath? Um, so the first couple episodes are a little silly, um, but they're silly in a way that's fun and entertaining, at least uh, in a way for people who communicate exclusively through memes. Um, so like, if you really like to, you know, just quote stuff, like Steven Universe is great for that. I think um, my best friend and I shouted, give me the bits at one another for at least an entire year. Um, so yeah, that was sort of my first experience with it. And it hit, happened to hit like right at a time where I was on the cusp of figuring out the whole gender situation going on. And it's not necessarily that this like really pushed me um, to figure that out, but it did sort of prime nearly everybody that I was hanging out with for the coming news, which is one of the reasons why I think it's so important is because you have like an entire group of people our age who were like watching this dumb kids show who suddenly understand gender theory, um, which fucking <laughs> rules. Um, because like when you're like, Hey, so I think I might use she and her pronouns. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, like on Steven Universe, I got it. Cool. <laughs> 
So, yeah, that was that was my exposure to the show, which was, you know, weirdly enough, uh, you know, on the Internet 2013 group of friends who were super, super into it. And uh, then it tranced my gender. So what can you do? It is a very powerful show in that it will trans people's gender all over the place. It'll just trans, trans the, the fuck shit out of your, out of your gender, gender if, you're not, if you're not careful, and even if you are. But yeah, I am, came very, uh, as usual, as with every pop culture like important happening, I'm like 45 years late, where I started watching this show, uh, I believe last year. I think I watched all of it last year, after we did the Adventure Time episode with Mia Moore, which, listeners, if you haven't listened, it's a fantastic episode specifically about Marceline. Um, and I started to watch Adventure Time and I started to watch Steven Universe. I was very resistant to it because sometimes I think, A, I'm just like a jerk and a snob a lot of the time. And sometimes I just like resist things that are popular just to be an asshole because that's me. But <laughs> I also, um, I can get very like annoyed when things... Uh, things involving transness or gender are, like, too cutesy, I think. Like, I was afraid that it was going to be a bit too cutesy for my taste and that it was going to turn me off. But, of course, I loved it. I loved the songs. I loved the fact that it's a musical. I love everything about... As much as it is a show about, like, forms and aspects of, like, femininity, it is also a very interesting text about masculinity both with steven sort of understanding how to be like different from his mother and how to be a boy in a universe of like very powerful amazing women and also greg universe is a huge hero of mine voiced by tarm sharpling my future wife who i love he's he's definitely married to someone else who's not me but yeah everything about it i love yeah yeah, and I think that while this show can at times be a little saccharine, um, it's it it does do a really good job of balancing that out with like much more serious moments and like a lot of the sort of like I mean it does it it's sort of like Avatar the Last Airbender in that it tackles a lot of stuff in a mm. bite-sized way that kids can like really grasp while also not being afraid to be like okay let's not talk about the genocide anymore let's do an episode about french fries yeah um which like it can it could be like a bit of a tonal whiplash but i think that it strikes a good balance and also because it is like you know 10 minutes long for the most part even if you're like ugh this episode it's so fucking cute i'm going to goddamn die um you know it's o- over in 5 minutes All right. Um, so it's, it's a great little bite-sized thing. I think, you know, I I definitely understand the like, oh, it can be like too saccharine at times. And I think that there's a couple of episodes where I'll sort of tune out, but it is how thoroughly it doesn't try and dodge questions of grief and Mm -hmm. trauma as part of understanding your own identity. Um, I'm trying to think of things I can talk about that aren't going to be crazy triggering to things. I know the one that I always go to for like, oh, they handled that in the show is the whole issue with... Lapis and mm-hmm. Jasper, where there, there's some pretty abuse, assault, allegory things going on there. And it isn't over for Lapis as soon as it's mm-hmm. over. And you do learn more about Jasper. And it could have just been a weird little boss fight in a kid's cartoon, but they really dig into it. And I think that's sort of the nugget at gem at the center. <laughs> no, um, too hot. Um, that really helps it to rise above just being a dumb shitty little cartoon yeah yeah and and i can think of a handful of episodes off the top of my head that are all like that like there's the um i don't think it was in our episode list but the episode where pearl is like teaching connie how to sword fight um and she basically has to come to the realization like oh yeah like i i have to be like a person i can't define my entire life by whether or not steven is safe that's not a sane thing Mm -hmm. to do um and then pearl of course has her own episode several like maybe a season or two later where she comes to the same sort of realization with like what i would argue is like one of the most stunningly beautiful songs in the whole series of stunningly beautiful songs um but yeah like it it definitely handles a lot of those topics with um like I said, uh, they're handled in a bite-sized way that kids can look at it and get, you know, what it's about. And, like, adults uh, sometimes just sort of, like, sit back and take a breath and they're like, wow, goddamn. Yeah. 
Um, which totally rules. It's also like something I really like about kids shows is that nobody can you sort of have to hint at death without you know creating any sort of real finality and sometimes that can feel a bit like a cheat like i i'm always very angry at like when ryan murphy will be like this character is dead but now they're risen from i'm like no rules things need to make sense but in steven universe you do it creates this really beautiful like redemption arc for almost like none of the villains stay villains like even jasper like redeems herself the diamonds redeem themselves it's like everyone starts out being a piece of shit but like you meet peridot and like she's a jerk and she wants to destroy them and then by the end you're like i love peridot and she's like kiki in with lapis and they're having a little like you know lesbian barn moment with their art installations like everybody gets repaired and that is the central metaphor of like how does a gem die they get shattered then there are these other gems that become corrupted and there's this whole episode about the the off color gems who are like the island of misfit toys and steven's whole philosophy is moving away from these diamonds like totalitarian idea of everyone needs to be perfect everyone needs to be this one way and steven is there to show people that imperfections are beautiful that you can change and it does so often read like especially in those episodes like the last season it seems like there it's this conversation between like a queer kid and his parents and the parents be like no you have to be this and this is the only way and blah 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 and steven be like that's not true and like i might be younger than you but like i know this and them actually agreeing and not having to be defeated or killed in order for the story to resolve which is very just very moving to me yeah, that's one of the things that I think makes the show so so often in media that's geared towards like and I think that you could probably argue that this show is really complex in its feelings of gender, but I, I think that ultimately as it was pitched, it almost assuredly must have been pitched as a this is a show for young boys. Um, it's got like a male main character and he deals with a lot of themes of growing up and what it means to be a man, um, especially in a situation that's as complicated as it is. And in a lot of media that's geared towards young boys, they solve problems by punching stuff, yeah. especially in cartoons. And I think it's really interesting that Steven is a pacifist. Mm-hmm. Like Steven specifically does not ever is is never in favor of doing like permanent violence or even temporary yeah. violence. Um, it's, it's one of, I think, one of the most simultaneously frustrating and endearing and then frustrating and then endearing again over again, uh, things about this show is that, yeah, everybody does ultimately get a second chance. Even people that I, as an adult looking at this might be like, okay, but maybe (laughs) I don't need to see that particular redemption arc. Um, (laughs) it's still like... There's just so much there, and I think that as as a thing that is hopeful and um, sort of just, like, wholesome from this era of media where, like, a lot of things are, like, really hopeful and wholesome, um, it sort of sets precedent for a lot of that. Yeah, Steven's weapon is a shield. Like, it's not really a weapon at all. Yeah. It's, a, it's like a literal, like, his superpower is being able to protect the people he loves from death, which is a great superpower that comes in handy yeah and there's a interesting aspect to that with the fact that um he's trying to put away the rose side of him that identity and rose's weapon was a shield and a sword and cannons (laughs) um like there's a full arsenal of weaponry that they come across at one point like rose was such a violent identity because I'm going to use she for Rose because otherwise it's going to get confusing. Um, She is trying to make herself heard and trying to establish her identity at that point. And violence is the only way she sees to do it. Because you've got the transition from Pink Diamond to Rose and her trying to explain to the Diamonds that she's not Pink Diamond anymore. Or not try to explain but w- wage a war secretly as someone else as i think we all have yeah, yeah. No? okay just me uh, and then finding that that solution hasn't worked that you can't just like i'll just violently be someone else and actually finding 
who you are in a way that puts that aside. And like Rose, it's interesting because like the so the conceit of like Rose and Steven is that they can never exist at once. Like Rose falls in love with this human man, Greg Universe. They have this child, Steven, the best, the man. best man on on planet Earth. He's just the best. with the most amazing, mm-hmm. just totally bald, and then the most incredible, beautiful rock hair. That's just like, and he sings a song yeah. called uh, "Drive Your Van Into My Heart." It's, but yeah, so they fall in love. They have Steven, um, but Rose basically has to die in order for Steven to be born. And what's interesting about the diamonds, sort of like realizing that Rose kind of like faked her own shattering and then became Rose Quartz and they're the same. They want to believe the whole show, basically, that Rose is not dead. And then they can't, like, the whole show is kind of about their inability to mourn her or accept her loss in a way. And to accept that Steven is a different person, which, like makes it very interesting because the whole time they're just like, no, you need to be what we need you to be and like, stop being a child, whatever. And then it's, it's them who like, they can't get over it. They can't get over the loss of Rose and they can't really conceive of it. And that is like the whole sort of like conflict that everything resolves in. There's two really big lines in the finale. I think they're both in the finale um, that sort of hit home, I think, where... I think the obvious one is when um, they've tried to extract Pink Diamond so that Pink Diamond can be a thing. And you have this depiction of Steven literally yelling, like, she's gone. Um, like, that's not an option. That yep. Hasn't been for a long time. But it's the point where one of the Diamonds is saying, oh, stop like playing one of your little games. And it's this whole idea that, like, oh, you're just being childish and silly and you'll stop worrying about this soon. Um, it's it's very much the could you not be trans conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, especially in those episodes where they they have forced Stephen to dress up like Pink Diamond, um, it, it feels very much like, um, I don't know, this is a personal anecdote, but I'm sure that literally everybody who is trans has experienced this if they are from similar backgrounds as me. But I remember a time when my grandmother had passed away and I was specifically approached by um, not my extended family, but my parents who had been approached by my extended family who were basically like, um, I had been out for about five years at this point. Um, and they were like, could you just maybe, um, pretend not to for a little bit? Could you just, you know, wear a nice suit to the funeral? And I was like, you will see my boobs. Um, like they are not easy to hide anymore, y'all. Um, so yeah, no. And, and, and that is what that entire situation feels like to me. It's sort of Mm -hmm. like, uh, if you could, could you just, you know, pretend, pretend to be Rose Quartz again for us a little, we're really having a hard time processing this. Yeah. As if it's at all normal or makes any sense to like, as if the burden should be on the trans person rather than the cis people who like refuse to adapt and are still living in this old idea of like, what's normal. When it's like, what do you, what you're asking is like actually insane. Like, and yeah, like Steven Universe yeah. frames it very well. Cause it's like, no, it's these like crazy adults who are in denial about identity. Like it's not the kid. And he's like, I'm a kid. What's your excuse? And that sort of like breaks everything and makes yeah. a white diamond blush. And that's sort of the resolution, which is really sweet and cute, I think. I also think just like a little interesting anecdote about this. Um, I don't know if maybe like anybody else was told this, but like the, I just feel like my old child died or whatever, mm-hmm. um, which is like a whack thing to say, but like apparently a lot of cis people say that to their trans kids. And I just think it's fun that like for the most for like the bulk of that like uh, last few episodes, Stephen is like, no, 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 she's dead. I'm a different person. I'm an actual different person, <laughs> yeah. um, which is just like a fun little parallel to note. It is something that potentially makes the allegory a little bit problematic. Um, I am very aware that like 
there is an element of being like so and then you die and then you come back as a different gender that's how this works that's true Mm. see i was actually looking at it as like a tongue-in-cheek like thing Mm. for a trans creator to say um in order to make the allegory more like a little wink and a nod um Mm. but uh yeah no i i do think that like that is uh, I, I don't think that is a point against. Uh, I think that, uh, honestly, if you told me my pitch for this episode is literally everybody in Steven Universe is trans, mm-hmm. I would have been like, yeah, oh, duh. They definitely uh, are. Okay. <laughs> so. It was definitely a thing where I was like, oh, yeah, the character in Steven Universe. Wait, which character? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Whole, all of it. The whole, like, yeah. The whole text. Yeah. I think that. In the finale, they even actually introduce a trans character. They get around to being like, hey, this character is trans. Yeah, I, I think, think Sadie's partner. Oh, yeah. Lars? I think so. Or, oh, yeah. No, Wait, not Lars. Because right, um, <laughs> La- Lars, Lars <laughs> dies back. and comes back and goes and yeah. a space Jesus. pirate, as you do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, I was like dead ass convinced for so much of what, like, cause I, I started watching this episode or this show on like episode four or something. Um, and I was dead ass convinced from like one of the very first episodes about Lars until like the final episode. I was like, they're going to make Lars come out next episode. Like every single week for like several years straight, because I was like, Lars is just such a, has just so much of a trans yes. energy going on that, like, I can't even look at Lars without thinking yeah, about gauges, it. The gauges, the haircut, everything. Yeah, and also, like, the, the dead name situation, mm-hmm. like, with the mom who's like, no, I'm Lars now, and, like, the mom's still using the old name and stuff. So, yes. yeah. yeah, gosh. Sorry, I had to fact check myself quickly. Yeah, um, Sadie ends up dating someone called Shep, who is non-binary and uses they, oh. them. Yeah, that's awesome. But yeah, it... Everyone is very much, like, even the sort of, like, side characters that you're not encouraged to think about too much, like Onion, one of my personal favorites. (laughs) Onion and his brother, Sour Cream. (laughs) Very incredibly (laughs) trans characters. Sour Cream at one point, like, when Connie and Steven first fuse and become Stevani, who's, like, this amazing hybrid, like, uh, Sour Cream runs runs into them and is like, hey, want to come to a rave? It's a bunch of my friends from the internet. They're all going to be there. <laughs> like, everything about it. Like, Beach City is just, like, you can't yeah. live there and not have some sort of, like, fucking gender, you know, situation going on. Yeah. It kind of fascinates me to think of what would happen if it was made, like, if it started mm. now. Because I think you mentioned briefly earlier, like, this show started at a time when there wasn't a lot of queer characters in cartoons, as certainly not explicitly. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that past decade, we've seen such change. And I think in no small part because of Steven Universe, I know that um, Rebecca Sugar had to push for a lot of things to still be included, especially in the UK, because the country's just terrible, <laughs> I'm sorry. And I was actually watching Adventure Time has come back with uh some hour-long specials on certain characters and they yeah. do an episode that's about marceline and bubblegum and they're just in a relationship right. now yeah. and if you look at the original adventure time where they're kind of like hey maybe they dated one time and then come to the other side of steven universe and we're now at a point where these two characters can just be gay yeah it's fine yeah which is huge it's like from and it's also such a show that like clearly is the product of people who like are huge nerds proud nerds have like a very like vibrant sense of headcanon and like it feels like it is like a launching off point of like hey what if all the teenage mutant ninja turtles were trans like that's amethyst like like (laughs) hey what if like you know like a character from star wars was trans like that's kind of like garnet like they all have this different aspect of like calling back to nerd culture in this very sweet way and incorporating transness and also like something that's so nice is like when gems fuse when there's fusion between anyone it's greeted with this sense of wonder which like usually even in another sci-fi show it's like it's monstrous and like 
in, you know, the diamond, that's how the diamonds see that. They're like, oh, fusion is, like, gross and sinful and it's bad and whatever. But, like, this show is just, like, people are psyched about fusion because, like, it does, like, create this, like, grander, more exciting being that encompasses all these different aspects of humanity and all these different powers, which is, like, a really cool thing. And I think it's something really nice because I think it talks... um, like fusion isn't it's very easy to see fusion on a surface level read as an allegory for sex and i think that that is you shouldn't say an incorrect reading but i think it's an incorrect (laughs) reading um because it's much more than that it is an intimate thing but it's about identity and who you are and who you become as part of that fusion and I'm sorry, Jack, I realize I have cut you off like three times in a row just as you were starting. No, no, that's okay. You are totally welcome to do that. Um, uh, you uh, have very insightful points. Uh, <laughs> I was just going to say that um, this this show came out like around the same time as I think Gravity Falls, which is another one that we've done an episode mm-hmm. about. Um, and I think that similarly with that show, um, when this was coming out, a tremendous number of queer people on the internet were making trans and gay headcanons for these characters. Mm -hmm. And I think that this, this show is like, um, it's unique from a lot of other cartoons in the era that it came out because it's sort of like courts, the fact that most of its user base is watching it on the mm-hmm. internet and it courts fandom like as communities are forming in places like Tumblr and on Twitter and what have you. Um, and I think that that sort of is like really interesting to look at because uh, so many of the trans people that I knew uh, and honestly still know didn't have much of a community um, in real life because, uh, you know, I was living in the South. Um, so almost everybody that I knew was somebody else who was living in the South, just just a little too far to drive to visit. Um, so like a lot of us are hanging out uh, on the Internet, watching this show on the Internet. And this show is talking about its awareness of the fact that people are watching it on the mm. Internet. Um, and it's. I don't know. I think it's it's sort of like a weirdly magical thing, uh, this show, um, and how it sort of like echoes um, a lot of what is happening, um, a lot of like the found family that's being created. Um, and it absolutely sets sort of the stage for more modern cartoons like The Owl House or uh, Amphibia. And Am- what's that one? Uh, but yeah, like more modern cartoons to just actually just straight up have gay people in right. them, like without really the need to... Um, you know, be like, oh, no, no, they're not actually gay. They're uh, aliens, Um, which is great. Um, I love seeing that. I love seeing there just be more gay characters. Um, And I think that the show is probably uniquely responsible for a huge chunk of that, given just the massive success of it. No, you don't understand. They're cousins. (laughs) They can't be gay. Yeah, yeah, like the the Sailor Moon thing, yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And it's very, like... There are so many different kinds of, like, lesbian or sort of, like, T-for-T relationships that I that get into sort of, like, the texture of every different type of attachment, which is also rare. Like, mostly mm-hmm. in, in shows, in, in adult shows, in kids' shows, whatever, it's like, there's one type of romantic love and it looks like this, or there's one type of, like, friendship and it looks like this. And this is a show that really understands like the spectrum of how people can show up for each other what families look like what romantic loves love looks like like even the relationship between steven and connie is like very wholesome and like there's definitely a romantic element but because they're kids it can't really be like a full-on relationship but like when they fuse it is this like exciting sort of like exploration of who they are as friends which is really fucking cool Yeah, I remember when I was watching it, I would think, like, um, the sort of, like, word that a lot of the people around me used was, like, it's a queer platonic relationship. Like, they're both, like, obviously not sexual. They're, you know, 13 or whatever. Um, But they they are so close as to be effectively, like, you know, family. Um, So it's sort of is like, uh, yeah, these these are the people we choose to to surround ourselves with Um, and they become our family and they are a part of us. And um, 
I don't know, again, it's just suddenly striking me as such a fascinating thing that a show that is so heavily rooted in discovering, like, a sense of self and a sense of identity uh, chooses to also juxtapose that by exploring a sense of, like, group identity. Mm -hmm. Um, You have, like, Ruby and Sapphire, um, who they don't really have a strong self-identity. Their their identity is as Garnet. Like, they find their identity in what is effectively, like, their relationship. Um, and there are very few characters like that, though. Almost everybody else, uh, Lapis, Peridot, like, they're, they're discovering, like, what it means to be an individual, where other characters are just discovering what it means to, like, function as, like, a unit, as, like, a group of people inside the framework of these fusions. Yeah, there's... A huge focus on like the community that you do build around yourself um beach city has this big connection but there are the outsiders within that of people like um oh no no i'm doing it <laughs> i'm so sorry i've brought this plague How upon dare us you? the conspiracy theorist guy oh um fuck oh yeah no i don't think that's the name it's a very progressive show <laughs> The only name I can remember is oh. uh, Bismuth because she's constantly using making puns out of her. Like, let's get down to Bismuth. <laughs> a great way. But yeah, I feel like there are just like everyone in this town is a fucking weirdo. And yet they're all bonded. And like, there's only one pizza place and it's fish stew pizza. There's only one donut place and it's big donut. And like... You, like, it's that sort of, like, very cozy, homey community feel, but then there are just these rando aliens on, like, a goddess temple, and, like, nobody talks. It's just like, yeah, cool. <laughs> Which I love. They're all sort of intrigued by them as others. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this sort of weird, like, chaser fetishization that some of the townsfolk have. Like, I think each of the gems has a random dude from the town who's like, I mean, that weird alien thing. I don't really know why, but I'm into it. And it's just... Okay. Um, oh, no. Yep. Well, now I'm not going to be able to unsee yep. that. I'm sorry. But after Stephen... No, okay, we'll just leave it there, I think. <laughs> Mic drop. Ronaldo. Oh, Ronaldo. His okay. name is Ronaldo. Yeah, That's yeah. it. Um, but once Stephen is understands his identity, the story stops, and then it starts again with um, Stephen Universe Future. Mm-hmm. And once he's like, okay, this is who I am. This is my family, and this is what we do. His first choice is to literally build a community for those people. Um, he builds Gem University. Is it called Gem University? I think so. We'll just Something edit in like the that. correct name here. Um, <laughs> um, and it, it heightens like the importance of queer spaces in a weird sort of allegory way, to my mind, as yeah. re- watching it while extremely queer. Um, um, if it's not called Gem University, it is just called Stephen's LGBTQIA yep. Club. Gem, Gem it's the, the GSA. That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> the Gem Straight Alliance. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> I'm going to write to yep. Rebecca Sugar right now. Get that changed. <laughs> I, my wonder of, uh, during this conversation is like, and I'm sure they must exist, but like, do straight people wa- and or actual kids <laughs> watch this show and not know that it's trans? Like, there must be people, right? That must be something. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> but how? So like... Yeah, well, I, I, know, I know some straight people who watch and enjoy the show, but they're all in relationships okay, with queer so there people. You go. So, right. Well, like I said, like at the top of the show or whatever, I was introduced to the show by my ostensibly straight cis best friend. Um, so, has not come out yet in any way, shape, or form. So, yeah, I do believe that there is at least a single straight okay. person. Uh, who watches this show. Um, And because I used to put it on in my comic book store that I worked at, um, and kids would sing along, like eight-year-olds would sing along with the songs when they were on the television. I do know that some kids do watch it. Either that or they were very good at sight reading. Um, But yeah, like, they exist, I'm sure. Um, But boy, howdy, I think that the fandom of this show has probably achieved cult status due to all the gay people who are obsessed with it. Like... I think it's an example of 
I mean, I'm, I think a lot of Cartoon Network shows probably end up having, like, an adult audience for whatever reason, because they're just, like, good shows more often than not. But it's also interesting yeah. to think of, like, how quickly queer people were like, oh, thank God, like, something for me. Well, I mean, we were all desperate and starved oh God, for it, yeah, so. Seriously. Like, t- 2013, those were the dark ages. The worst. I've got to watch 10 episodes about an ice cream sandwich, <laughs> but then I get gay stuff? Okay. Even the weird, like, beginning episodes, like, I was just watching a few of them, and in one of them, like, one of the guys, Frybo, the child of the, the Fry Man, <laughs> another great name, yeah. he's uh, being attacked by seagulls, and, like, because he's in a Fry costume, and he takes it off, and he's like, I am not Fry's! It's like, even the, like, ridiculous shit like that is about, like, here's who I am, and here's who I'm not, and, like, not a lot of shows are, like so much about identity because it's like hard to make a narrative around that i think unless it is like a superhero story i guess you raised something that i i didn't put in our notes but sort of wanted to talk about but i wasn't sure how to fit it um which is like the amount of weird dysphoria narratives that come up for steven like many there's one that i can't get past which is just like his being freaked out by his own body in one of the first episodes when he gets like these cat fingers yeah the akira reference <laughs> it's it's a an episode i can't actually go back and rewatch because me and my spouse are just so freaked out by it which is like nope this kid's is, cartoon is too bad it's legitimately unsettling i remember watching it and then getting to the end and just being like what the fuck man <laughs> right what the fuck? i'd like I don't think it even ends on a satisfying note. I think it's just like, and uh, that was that was your ten minutes. Enjoy that. Um, Enjoy the nightmares. We'll talk to you in therapy. <laughs> um, but there's the episode "So Many Birthdays," which I almost put on the list, and then I realized that I was just going to put all the episodes on if I didn't keep it short. Um, where Stephen realizes that he's not growing up like connie is um and is very obsessed with the idea that well he he doesn't have any stubble and he's not a man and then he envisions himself as what he think thinks he should be and grows up to be a teenager and then eventually an old man and he's unsettled because it's out of his control Mm -hmm. but He's never like, oh, this feels weird to be in a... Like, he's always like, oh, yeah, this is what my body should be. I should be this weird, like, ripped 22-year-old in a tiny shirt with lots of hair. Um, Yeah, I just derailed myself. Uh, (laughs) It is funny. And then, like, he stretches himself out in that episode, which is also, like, a really fucked up, like he and connie falls in love with him and then he like shrinks to a baby there's so much body horror and trauma god yeah the the fucking watermelons don't get me started on the watermelons jesus christ (laughs) oh my god God. like god forbid you get high and watch that episode jesus it didn't hit me until just now as we're like going through the list and every time I think like oh it's like that one episode and then you guys say it at the same time as me and then you pick a different episode and I'm just like oh my god this poor fucking kid in so many ways it's really not like it shouldn't be a kids show because it is like very freaky like I was trying to figure out if I can show this to my niece who is about to be nine and like totally like she'd love it but also like in the first episode, I feel like there's, like, you know, they have to kill the centipedal. <laughs> like, it's just a worm with an eyeball in its yeah. mouth. And I'm like, is, should I, sh- like, is this for a child? I don't know. I like it. My friends did, like, show it to their younger child. And it's definitely one of those things where, like, small children, four, five, whatever, are going to watch them be like, yay, songs, colors. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, I think a lot of the the more um, scary body horror stuff just goes over people's heads. Um, I do just remember, like, uh, again, I had it on at the store and, like, this little, like, eight-year-old being like, oh, this is the cookie cat show. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I guess you're not wrong yeah, about that. It is. And it becomes... That's the most important it, I part. I mean, it, com- it comes full circle because he references it in the very... He's just like, cookie cat leaves his family behind. And it's this, like, but also, like, I love the, like, the first few episodes are very, like, the animation is not quite as good as it becomes, and it is very cartoony and, like, 
uh, Zach Califson, who voices Steven, um, like, his voice is, like, notably, like, more kid-like, and, like, it's just, like, everything's a bit more simplistic, and then you see the animation evolve, and you see the characters evolve, and, like, even in that tiny window of, like, I think he's supposed to be 13 when the show starts, and when it ends, he's, I guess, 16? 16, 17? But, like, yeah, like, those are, like, crazy fucking years, even for cis people, I might add. (laughs) Like, those, like, that is a huge, like, you do start out, like, at 13, like, you're a teenager, but you're still a kid, and you're still excited about ice cream. And then maybe by 14, things are sort of, like, shaking and cooking in ways that are freaking you out. And, like, like a lot of the, uh, sort of, like, more kid- kid-based content we cover on this show, you could make a case for, like, puberty as metaphor. Because, like, yeah, it is fucking scary when, like, things are happening to your body. But also, Steven does, like, long for a realistic puberty in this interesting way that, like, is much less, less often discussed. And also kind of feels, like, trans mask to me. Tiny, tiny bit. Yeah, I was going to say, I do think that while, yeah, it is like very clearly you could read it as a a narrative about a kid going through puberty, there's also something incredibly trans about, um, you know, being 14 and then feeling like you wake up the next day as a weirdly hairy 22 year old (laughs) with a beautiful mane of rock star hair and a tiny crop top. Um, That is exactly, I think, what has happened to a tremendous number of people that I know. Yeah, the trauma, the trauma keeps coming. Uh, that is, in fact, what this show is. The trauma Just, uh, yeah. doesn't stop, and then the trauma doesn't stop, and yeah. then the trauma doesn't Playing stop. Playing <laughs> whack-a-mole with trauma across the the universe and the galaxy, basically. And coming to terms with the loss of your mother, who you never met, and who was maybe kind of fucked up? We don't know. Definitely fucked up. No, 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 no. Definitely Very fucked up. up. Definitely <laughs> fucked up. Yeah. Yeah, so, so fucked up. The more you learn about Rose Quartz and Pink Diamond, you're just like, oh, yeah. shit. Yeah. Uh, when you were listing the arsenal of uh, Rose Quartz's weapons uh, early on in the show, I was like, you forgot the imperialist military machine. <laughs> but um, yeah, so, you know, kind of terrible, kind of interesting. I don't know. Very complicated. Very complicated. I would hate to wake up one day and be like, oh, yeah, I am my mom, I guess. <gasps> Yeah, and he inherits her memories when he's when they're dressing him up and you know, like he starts like seeing himself as her, which is really freaky, and like sort of thinking that he remembers things she remembers, which is another like disturbing element of it. Cause yeah, like he's very consciously different from his mom. Yeah. But yeah, I suppose should should we is this a good segue into the four point scale? Do are there things we didn't discuss? Uh, I wanted to talk about Pearl before we wrap up because Pearl in and of herself, like every time she gets, um, it's not shattered, blipped, uh, gemmified, yeah. B- bopped, poofed. Yeah, we'll go with bopped. Poofed. Sure. Poofed. Yes. <laughs> yes. When they when they, they bop, bop it. it. Um, <laughs> every uh, reiteration of her costume as she realizes more who she is, not as part of Rose Quartz's entourage but as herself gets a little bit more masculine until like she goes from this sort of ballerina-esque style costume to having cool 80s shoulder pads <laughs> yeah and she has her leather jacket episode she goes out she she gets a leather jacket on she finds like a queer person with pink hair that's a big muscly person and is like i i could see this this could work yeah but her fusions fascinate me um in a way that is maybe far too niche to be included in the final edit of this so if you want to cut this i understand i do as little editing as possible <laughs> i'm trusting that you're going to edit this to make me sound you smart already because uh, as it you is already sound excellent yeah i was gonna say <laughs> that is purely the accent um <laughs> There is going to be one weird part where I go back and edit in the name of Gem University, yep. and it's like, wait a second, did they just, did they sound <laughs> Gem Street Alliance for a second? And it'll just be me being like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've been in the States too long. It happens sometimes. It's fine. Uh, but we see Pearl fuse with a lot of different gems, but there's two key ones where she fuses with Rose Quartz 
as as part of being mean to Greg, it's very unhealthy, um, and becomes this wonderful, huge jazzercise <laughs> woman um, called Rainbow Quartz. And that's who she is as part of, like, while living in Rose Quartz's shadow. But then she later fuses with Stephen, and the result is someone who's snappily dressed in a suit jacket and has a cool umbrella with a rainbow on it because they're so queer. Um, and they are... The fusions, like, most of the fusions that have got Stephen and a gem use they, them. Most of the fusions between just the gems use she, her, or they, them. And then once there's a big group of them, it gets very strange. The only one that uses he, they is Rose Quartz 2.0, which really underscores, like, how much Pearl is a trans mask coming into her own throughout this story, while everywhere else, like, the he just disappears. In that case, it doesn't. Unless we count Steg, who uses he, him, and is weird and very strange, and I don't, I, I don't know what to make of Steg. Um, I like that. In, in my notes, I wrote, like, trans mask Mary Poppins for the, the fusion between Pearl and Steven. Because it's like, correct me if I'm wrong, they have like yeah. a Cockney accent and they come in on an umbrella and they're like, what's this all about? And they have like very br- like British fashion, like very modish fashion. And they're just, I'm like, where did the accent come from? Where did this great haircut come from? The umbrella is an interesting touch. It's very like manic pixie, like teddy boy, which I love. That's a great look. If that's not a way to a phrase, I think you need to make it one. <laughs> yep, Manic Pixie Teddy Boy, coming to theaters near you. <laughs> hey, it would make it would, bank. I'd see it. Kidding me? Even if they made a Mary Poppins three, and it w- and Mary Poppins was like a twink. Abs- I would. W- I the quickness. Are you fucking kidding me? We'd I would all see go. That. Hollywood, that pay amazing. attention. Twink Mary Poppins. Come on, we already have Twink Wonka. So let's make it happen. <laughs> It just pops her head out. I had forgotten that that existed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> she leaned around the corner and went. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pearl is interesting. Pearl <sighs> is like because like on the face of it, she's very like controlling and kind of prim, but yeah, has this like mask energy and definitely has this sort of like less secure in who she is than Amethyst and Garnet. And, like, pearls are also, like, when you go to Homeworld, you see that pearls are basically, like, servants. Like, they don't, you're not supposed to have their own identity. And then amethysts are all these, like, Mm -hmm. dude bros who come out of rocks together and are, like, just hang and garnet. I do, I do love the amethyst dude bros, I love them so much. Oh, my God. Anytime they're all on screen, I'm like, yes, thank you. But, yeah. They really are kind of like the teenage Ab- they, Ninja exactly. Turtles, aren't they? they? Someone even says Bunga Kawa at one point. I'm like, how'd That's you get incredible. away with that? Bunga Kawa. I do not remember that. I don't know. That's but yeah, I love Amethyst's gender presentation as well. And I love the the uh, how critical they are of each other's dancing when they're teaching Stephen how to fuse. <laughs> Like, that's not the way to do it. And they all have, Amethyst has this, like, kind of, like, hip-hop, like, grinding style. And Pearl's, like, a ballerina. And Garnet has this, like, very, like, house music seems to be playing. Like, yeah, exactly. It's very, it's interesting. Yeah. Oh, I love Amethyst so much. (laughs) She's perfect and she didn't do anything wrong. Except for all the stuff she did wrong. But we don't talk about that because she's perfect. And her weapon is a whip. It was all part of her character arc and growing. Like, she did some fucked up shit and she got better. Which Well, not better, that sounds weird. Really, the entire cast of the show except except Steven, who is actually perfect and never did anything wrong. (laughs) Very true. Very true. I I think a great way to uh, wrap this up is, hey, remember how there's an episode where Steven time travels and then has to kill the different versions of himself? Oh, oh Uh, God. That was a thing that happened. Anyway. Yep. As we as we all do. <laughs> they were in a band, and then they murdered each other. <laughs> I do vaguely as remember bands. that. As all bands must. <laughs> the fate that most bands... There were creative yep. differences. Yep. They were no uh, Sadie and the Killers. They couldn't sustain. Sadie fucking rules. Sadie. Man, she's so cool. Even the straight people yeah. in this show are great. Seriously. Well, Sadie's she's not, not straight. straight. Yeah, Sadie's not straight, but... <laughs> Um, the, the characters who are like the, the convenience yeah. store workers. But then again, I don't think I've ever met anybody working in a convenience store who was straight f- for long. So go. that's okay. Yeah. 
I was going to say, oh, the mailman's straight and kind of cool, no. and then I remember, no, he's a chaser. Yeah. Uh. Everyone, everyone is gay or about to be gay in this universe, which is honestly how it should be. I want to move gay there. Gay or about to be. Take me to Beach yeah. City. There's a few parents who, who like, like Connie's parents, maybe. I was going to say, like, the grandma from, oh, uh, like, the pizza? pizza place, but no, I think she has a colored yes. history. Oh. Everything, everybody's got, like, definitely the fry, fry shop family. They're all gay. The donut, the oh, donut absolutely. store, like, you can't enter that donut store without, like, showing your gay credentials. Like, every establishment absolutely. is pretty, uh, even, even Ronaldo. Yeah. Oh, God, Ronaldo. <laughs> Such a weird, weird little man. I love him. He's so delightful. Um, he's he, he's the Beach City Fox Mulder. There you go. He gets so close to being right without ever being right. It's perfect. <laughs> yeah. Um, it is incredible because, like, I do think it's fascinating that, like, basically everybody in Beach City is just like, yeah, those are the cool lesbians that live out on the beach. And he's like, they're actually space aliens. And everybody's like, <laughs> eh. Are they, or are they just cool lesbians? Which is delightful. Is. To be sure. Nice. All right. Shall, shall we four-point scale it? Let's see. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So. So, because. Do we have to get Ada to come back for this? No. no I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna call her a huge nerd. to change the script. <laughs> yes. You, Jack can do that. That's fine. Because Ada is a huge nerd. Uh, she's made a four-point scale for us to rate things on that goes from one. Headcanon. Things that are just trans because we want them to be. Two. Major gender stuff. Lots of gender things happening, but not necessarily transgender things happening. Three. All but explicit. Literally the only thing missing is the use of the labels that would be appropriate for the time. And four. Literally trans. This is literally a trans story with trans elements described in the trans language of the time. Personally, I think it's literally all four, all at the same time. Uh, depending yeah. on who you are talking about. Yeah. But what do you guys think? Uh, I, I was going to say like a 3.4, I think. You know, it's, they don't use the word trans, but it gets yes. so close. Yeah. I think if Rebecca Sugar could make it again today, it would be a four. But because Cartoon Network's, eh, it's, a, it's sort of 3.5. Yeah. Can we have 0.5s? We can. I, we should probably. In like 15 years or whatever, when they do the HBO Max special where they do hour-long uh, Steven Universe episodes, it'll definitely just straight Absolutely. up be a four. But yeah, I mean... I, I'm here for the gritty oh live-action Yes, <laughs> it's going to be a crossover with um, with Adventure Time Obsidian, and it's going to be like uh, Marceline and Pearl are going to like form an alliance... I can't wait. I mean, I would I would watch Marceline uh, do a guest spot on a Sadie and the Killers oh, uh, album. Yes. I would I would that watch would be that. Incredible, but yeah, I think Fafix. I think you're right. I think it's like a three point five. It's like in between those two. Like it is so close to being literally trans, and the non-binary character at the end, Shep, is literally non-binary. So like, and it does yeah. it doesn't use the language of the time, but it is informed by. As Jack said, like the the theory, the the Tumblr shit, like the everything that was going on in the discussion at the time. So mm-hmm. it is so close to being four, but not quite. So while they don't ever actually directly say that anybody is trans, um, I do think that like they definitely do a lot of weird stuff with pronouns. Mm-hmm. Like they definitely refer to characters who audiences may not think would have the pronouns that they have. And they, you know, use they pronouns for not only individuals, but groups of people. They also use he and she for various different people and groups of people. And then I think specifically like the Stevani episodes, like there is that one line where it's like, are you a man or a woman? And they're like, I'm an experience. And and while I don't necessarily think that that is the creator being like, I am a non-binary individual, um, th- it is very much like, if it's not the language of the time, that is definitely like all of the mm-hmm. memes that I would see on Tumblr uh, at the time, which is like, what's in your pants? A knife. Yeah. You know, those sorts <laughs> of things. Um, so while it's not necessarily like actually saying like these characters are all trans i do think that it so all but says it that like even a 0.5 is not far enough but agreed you 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 sway me i would go further towards four yeah the uh the pronouns thing definitely and the 3.8 um 
Like, so close. Yeah. 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 It's like, it's so close that I feel like the Cartoon Network offices were just, like, constantly, like, with a cartoon lasso, like, grabbing Rebecca Sugar <laughs> around the waist and being like, no, get back here. Um, if, you, if you read some of the stuff, I think they were. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure. Oh, no. I'm sure. Yeah. I, I think mean, that I it, was it was very much the... Like, they have the meeting and they go, you can't make it too gay. And then they leave the meeting and it's like, we're going to make it gay. What you, yeah, what yeah. are you going to do? It's a massive hit. Yeah. It's kind of magical that... Yeah, it's gigantic. It's magical that, like, Rebecca Sugar was able to get so much of this on screen. Like, it is pretty amazing. And thank God it happened because, yeah, like, we do owe so much to this show. And on that yeah. note... I, I appreciate you guys having me today. Um, I am Fayfix. You can find me on the internet everywhere. It's very easy because I'm the only Fayfix. I am the co-host of the Unramblings podcast about stories and storytelling. Um, and you can also find me on Patreon um, and at my website, uh, which is fayfixcollington.com, where I write short stories and articles. I'm also a writer and editor for ScreenRant. Thank you for listening to this episode of Totally Trans, Searching for the Trans Canon. We have a Patreon that can be found at patreon.com backslash totally trans. If you back us at $3 or more per month, you can access bonus episodes and join our Discord, which has had a burst of new members recently, if not particularly chatty ones. Also, if you back us at $2 or more per month, you can access all our episodes one week early. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode, and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts because we live in a cyberpunk nightmare oligopoly. Totally Trans, Searching for the Trans Canon is co-hosted by me, Henry Jardina, and you can find me on Twitter at PunkGretcho. You can also find me at henryjardina.substack.com where I write about film, and at intomore.com where I'm the editor. This episode was co-hosted and edited by Jacqueline Klein, who can be found on Twitter at where underscore wife. That is W-E-R-E underscore wife. All quotes and audio clips are being used under fair use. And I think that's pretty fair, don't you? Our season four theme music is a mystery only to be answered by the passage of time and the magic of editing. Until then, keep searching. If you're evil and you're on the rise, you can count on the four of us taking you down. Cause we're good and evil, never beats us, we'll win the fight and go out for pizzas. We are the crystal gems, we'll always save the day. And if you think we can't, we'll always find a way. That's why the people love this world. Believe in garnet, amethyst, and pearl. And Stephen.